0: Okay, so uh, welcome to the first episode of the podcast, which is yet to have a name, but you know, it's a main goal is to help you sleep, so today we're going to be reading the Wikipedia page for the British sitcom called Only Fools and Horses, it's probably my favorite show, oh yeah, okay. Only Fools and Horses is a British television sitcom created and written by John Sullivan. Seven series were originally broadcast on BBC One in the United Kingdom from 1981 to 1991, with 16 sporadic Christmas specials aired until the end of the show in 2003. Episodes are regularly repeated on UK TV comedy channel Gold. Set in Peckham in southeast London, it stars David Jason as ambitious March trader Derek Delboy Trotter, Nicholas Lindhurst, as his younger brother Rodney Trotter and Leonard Pierce, appear, appeared in the first three series as their elderly and dad. Backed by a strong supporting cast, the series follows the Trotters' highs and lows in life, in particular their attempts to get rich. After Leonard Pierce's death in 1984, the show introduced a new sidekick, Uncle Albert, the boy's great-uncle, played by Buster Merrifield. From 1988 onwards, the show features... Regular characters, Del Boy and Rodney's love interests, Raquel, and Cassandra, respectively. Other recurring characters include haughty car dealer Boise, dim-witted road sweeper Trigger, lorry driver Denzel, obnoxious Spill, Mickey Pierce, and bartender Mike. The show was not an immediate hit of viewers and received little promotion early on, but later achieved consistently high ratings in the 1996 episodes, Time on Our Hands, originally billed as the last-ever episode, Ford holds the record for the highest UK audience for a sitcom episode, attracting over 24.3 million viewers. Critically and popularly acclaimed, the series received numerous awards, including recognition from BAFTA, the National Television Awards, and the Royal Television Society, as well as winning individual accolades for both Sullivan and Jason. It was voted Britain's best sitcom in a 2004 BBC poll. In a 2001 Channel 4 poll, Dalboy was ranked fourth on the list of the 100 Greatest TV Characters. The series influenced British culture, contributing several words and phrases to the English language. It spawned an extensive range of merchandise, including books, videos, DVDs, toys, and board games. A spin off series, The Green Green Grass, ran for four series. In the UK from 2005 to 2009, a prequel, Rock and Chips, ran for three specials in 2010 and 2011. A special, sport Relief episode, aired in March 2014, yet starring David Beckham. And <laughs> you know that, in July 2018, John Sullivan's son, Jim Sullivan, announced that a musical adaptation of the show was nearing completion and launched on. February 9th, 2019, at the Theatre Royal Haymarket in London. Okay, now we want to plot. Derek Delboy Trotter, a fast-talking, archetypal South London fly trader, lives in a council flat in a high-rise tower block. Nelson Mandela House in Peckham, South London, with his much younger brother, Rodney Trotter, and her elderly granddad mother Joan died when Rodney was young and her father Reg absconded soon afterwards. So Adele became Rodney's surrogate father and family patriarch. Despite the difference in age, personality and outlook, the brothers share a constant bond throughout. The situation focuses mainly on their attempts to become millionaires through questionable get-rich-quick schemes and by buying and selling poor quality and illegal goods. They have free-wheeled Reliant Regal Van, and trade under the name of Trotter's independent traders, mainly on the black market. Initially, Bellboy, Roddy and Grandad were the only regulars, along with the occasional appearances of Road Sweeper Trigger, and pretentious used car salesman Boise. Over time, the cast expanded, mostly in the form of regulars at p- local pub The Knack's Head. These included pub landlord Mike Fisher, lorry Driver Denzel, youthful Spiv Mickey Pierce, and Boise's flirtatious wife, Marlene. As the series progressed, the scope of the plots expanded. Many early episodes were largely self-contained, with few plot lines mentioned again, but the show developed a story arc and an ongoing episodic dimension. After Grant had died following the death of actor Leonard Pierce, his younger brother, Uncle Albert, emerged and moved in with Del and Rodney. After years of searching, both Del and Ro- Rodney find long-term love in the form of Raquel and Cassandra. Del also has a son of Raquel, Damien. Rodney and Cassandra marry, separate, and then get back together again. Cassandra miscarries, but when she and Rodney eventually have a baby, Rodney finds out who his real father was. The Trotters, become mil- Trotters finally become millionaires, lose their fortune, and then regain some of it. Okay, now we move on to cast and characters. Main casting characters. Derek Hedford, Del Trotter, played by David Jason. Del is a charismatic South London market trader, willing to sell anything to anyone to make money, possessing a quick wit and devious cunning That his younger brother mostly lacks. Del is devoted to his family, taking care of Rodney and Grandad on his own from the age of 16. Del is also known for his penchant for cultural faux pas, in particular his misuse of French phrases. Del never settled down with a woman until he met Raquel, with whom he had a son, Damien. Sullivan recalled that he had always been fascinated by the unlicensed, unlicensed traders who sold goods from suitcases in markets, and he based Delboy on them. David Jason added other elements to the part, including Del's cheap gold jewelry and his camel hair coat. The inspiration was taken from a similar man he had known when working as an electrician. Jason was a relatively late candidate for the part. Jim Broadbent, who would later appear in a minor recurring laur L- 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 role as DCI Roy Slater and N. Reitel were earlier preferences. At the time, Broadbent was appearing in Mike Lee's play Goose Pimples at the Hampstead Theatre in North London. The play was due to transfer to the West End and consequently Broadbent thought he would be unable to fit in with the filming schedule and turned down the part. It was only when producer Ray Butt saw a repeat of Open All Hours that Jason was considered, and despite concerns that Jason had not previously had a leading television role, and that he had, that he and Linhurst did not look like brothers, he was cast. Turned out to be a very good decision. Rodney Charlton Trotter, played by Nicholas Linhurst, Rodney is Dell idealistic but dependent younger half brother. Despite being more academically gifted than Delvoy, although only to the extent of two GCEs, Rodney lacks Del's silver tongue as well as the latter's scheming nature and as such is confined to being Del's lackey and sidekick. Orphaned when young, Rodney was raised by Del and much of the conflict between the two comes from Rodney's dislike of his reliance on his brother and his sometimes morally ambiguous schemes usually resulting in unsuccessful attempts to gain greater independence through girlfriends or through setting up his own business. He was only partially successful after marrying Cassandra and briefly going to work for her father. In contrast to Dell, the part of Rodney was cast early, but Lyndhurst settled on quickly. Selvin partly based Rodney on his own experiences. He too had a much older sibling, and like Rodney, claims to have been a dreamer and an idealist in his youth. Edward Kitchener Grandad Trotter, played by Leonard Pierce. Sullivan was fascinated by the idea of having a big age gap between Dalboy and his younger brother, Rodney. The elderly character of Grandad and later Uncle Albert gave the situation the voice of an old man who had seen it all. In casting the role of Grandad Sullivan had in mind an actor similar to Wilfred Brambell, who had played Albert Steptoe in Steptoe and Son but chose not to use Bramble himself, thinking him too closely associated with Steptoe. After seeing Pierce's audition, Sullivan chose him immediately. Scruffy and daft, although sometimes playing a razor-sharp wit, Grandad rarely left the flat or even moved from his armchair in front of two television sets. Despite his age, he was invariably treated as a... Dog's Body by Dylan Rodney, often being assigned mundane jobs around the flat, such as cooking meals. Pierce died in 1984, whilst filming the Series 4 episode Hole in One, and Sullivan wrote a new episode, Strained Relations, which featured Grandad's funeral. Albert Gladstone Trotter, played by Buster Merrifield, Shortly after the death of Leonard Pierce, it was decided that a new older family member should be brought in, which eventually led to Uncle Albert, Granddad's long lost younger brother. Mary Field was an inexperienced amateur actor at the time, but was selected because he appeared to fit the description of an old sailor, especially with his distinctive white Captain eye beard. After, no, sorry, Albert first appeared at Granddad's funeral and soon moved in with Del and Rodney. His wartime experiences with the Royal Navy became one of the show's running gags, usually beginning with the words during the war. Maryfield died in 1999 and Albert's death was written into the next episode. Raquel Turner played by Tessa Peake Jones. Raquel was introduced because Sullivan one and more female characters and for Del to start meeting more mature women. Her first appearance, in dates, was intended to be a one-off, but she was written in again a year later and thereafter became a permanent cast member. An ambitious, strange singer and actress whose career never took off, she met Del through a dating agency, but we fell out over her part-time job as a stripper before getting together again. This time she moved in with Del, helping to mellow him, and they had a son together named Damien. As the character unfolded, it was revealed that she was previously married to Del's nemesis, DCI Roy Slater. Cassandra Trotter, played by Gwyneth Strong. Cassandra first met Rodney in the episode Yuppie Love. Their relationship blossomed, and by the end of se- series 6, the two had married. Cassandra's high career ambitions caused conflict with Rodney, and their troubled marriage was one of the main storylines later in the show's run. Now we want to... Supporting cast and characters. Trigger, played by Roger Lloyd Pack. A gormless, dim-witted but close friend of Del, Trigger was initially portrayed as a small-time thief, supplying Del with dubious goods. In later episodes he came to adopt the quote-unquote village idiot role, and constantly calls Rodney Dave, much to Rodney's bemusement. Trigger, apparently so called because he looks like a horse, with the principal supporting character earlier in the show's run, although his importance lessened as the series progressed. Lloyd Pack was cast by pure chance. Ray Butt, hired him to portray Trigger after seeing him in a stage play had only attended that play to observe potential Delvoy actor Bill Murray. Boise played by John Chalice. A shady used car salesman and a frightful snob, Boise is a Freemason, was very self-centered and prone to boasting about his high social status. Chalice had played a similar character in an episode of Citizen Smith, Sullivan liked him and promised to cast him in a future series, which led to Boise. Boise later featured in a spin-off series, The Green Green Grass, starting in 2005, in which he and his wife Marlene fled from a criminal gang. Denzel Tulser, played by Paul Barber, an easygoing going liver puddly- l- lorry, or truck if you will, driver, Denzel was often on the receiving end of Dell's scams. His inability to say no to Dell's business deals frequently led to conflict with his domineering wife, Corrine, who was only cited once in the episode Who's a Pretty Boy. Corrine eventually walked out on him, leaving Denzel slightly embittered but with more time and willing to go along with Dell's schemes. Sid, played by Roy Hever. Sid made sporadic appearances throughout the show's run, mainly as the proprietor of the run down and unhygienic local cafe. In the episode of The Jolly Boys Outing, it is revealed that Sid fought in the Second World War. He was captured in the prison but escaped, only for the boat he was using to be hit and sunk by a Greek fishing trawler being steered by <laughs> Uncle Albert. After an agate's head, Landlord Mike was in prison, Sid took over and capped that role for the remaining of the series. Nicky Pierce, played by Patrick Murray. Mickey was a young, obnoxious spiv and a friend of Rodney's, known for his exaggerated boasts about his success in business or with women. Despite their friendship, Mickey often took advantage of Rodney's gullibility by stealing his girlfriends or making off with all the money from their business partnership. What a dick. Marlene Boyce, played by Sue Holderness. Boyce's wife, initially just an unseen character. Marlene was popular among the menfolk and extremely flirtatious, having bad, having had implied, liaisons, liaisons, and read that, L I A I S O N S, with all of boys' friends. She and El have a particularly close relationship, dating back to when Marlene worked in a betting shop in Lewisham Grove. Despite their constant bickering and put-downs, she and Boise are close and eventually have a child, Tyler. Although there are light-hearted rumors that Dell may be the father. Mike Fisher, played by Kenneth MacDonald. The landlord of the Nag's Head, although not from the very beginning. His predecessor was never seen with just a succession of barmaids providing service. Good-natured and somewhat gullible, he was often targeted by Dell as a potential customer for any goods he was selling. When Kenneth Macdonald died in 2001, a storyline involving Mike's imprisonment for attempting to embezzle the brewery was written and cafe owner Sid took over as the interim pub landlord. Damien Trotter played by various actors. Damien was Dell and Raquel's son. It was Rodney's mocking suggestion that he be named Damien. Six, six actors played Damien. Pa- Patrick McManus in 1921 Grant Stevens, 1991 as well, Robert Lidiment, 1992, Jamie Smith from 1993 to 1996, Douglas Hodge, 1996 as an adult, and Ben Smith from 2001 to 2003. Okay, now let's move on to production. In 1980, John Sullivan, a scriptwriter under contract at the BBC, was already well known as the writer of the sitcom Citizen Smith. It came to an end that year that Sullivan was searching for a new project. An initial idea for a comedy set in the world of football was rejected by the BBC, as was his alternative idea. A sitcom centering on a Cockney market trader in working class modern day London. The latter idea persisted. Through Ray Butt, a BBC producer and director whom Sullivan had met and become friends with when they were working on Citizen Smith, a draft script was shown to the corporation's head of comedy, John Howard Davies. Davies commissioned Sullivan to write a full series. Sullivan Believed the key factor in its being accepted was the success of ITV's new drama, Minder, a series with a similar premise and also set in modern-day London. Sullivan had initially given the show the working title *Reedies*. For the actual title he intended to use as a reference to the protagonist's tax and work evading lifestyle Only Fools and Horses. The name was based on a genuine, though very obscure saying, Only Fools and Horses work for a living which had its origins in 19th-century American vaudeville. What does vaudeville mean? Let's see... Okay, it's a theatrical genre. Only Fools and Horses had also been the title of an episode of Citizen Smith, and Sullivan liked the expression and thought it was suited to the new sitcom. He also thought longer titles would attract attention. He was first overruled on the grounds that the audience would not understand the title, but eventually got his way. Filming. Filming of the first series began in May 1981, and the first episode, Big Brother, was transmitted on BBC One at 8.30 p.m. on 8th of se- September that year. It attracted 9.2 million viewers, and generally received a lukewarm response from critics. The viewing figures for the whole first series averaged at around 7 million viewers, the costumes for the first series were designed by Phoebe de Gay, Gay-ay? Gay. I don't know how to pronounce it. G A Y E. Del's attire was inspired by by her going to car boot sales. She took Jason shopping in Oxford Street and had him try a variety of suits. The Gay purchased some gayly colored gabby shirts, which were fashionable at the time, and she fought, quote unquote. Horrible. Del's rings and bracelet were made of fake gold and came from Chapel Market. Rodney's combat jacket came from the BBC's costume department and the gay added a Yasser Arafat scarf purchased from Shepherd's Bush Market. The gay used Vaseline, makeup and food to make Grandad's costume look dirty. The idea was that he never had his hat off, never dressed properly and usually had dirty pajamas underneath his clothes. A second series was commissioned for 1982. This fared a bit better and the first and second series had a collective repeat run in June 1983 in a more low-key time slot, but attracted a high enough viewing figure for Davis to commission a third series. From there, the show began to top the television ratings. Viewing figures for the fourth series were double those of the first. In early December 1984, during the filming of Series 4, Leonard Pierce suffered a heart attack and was taken to hospital. He died on fi- December 15th, the day before he was due to return. Sullivan wrote Grandad's death into the series with the episode Strained Relations, which featured Dell and Rodney's goodbye to Grandad. According to Sullivan, recasting Grandad was considered disrespectful to Pierce by the team, so it, f- it was decided that another older family member was to be cast. Buster Merrifield was then cast as granddad's brother, Albert. The scenes from the episode Hole in One that featured Pierce were re-filmed with Merrifield. Midway through the filming of the fifth series, Jason told Sullivan that he wished to leave the show in order to further his career elsewhere. Sullivan thus wrote, quote-unquote, who, who wants to be a millionaire, which was intended to be the final episode and we see Del accepting a friend's offer to set up business in Australia, leaving Rodney and Albert behind. Plans were made for a spin off entitled Hot Rod, which would have followed Rodney's attempts to survive on his own with help from Mickey Pierce, but leaving open the prospect of Dell's return. Jason Van changed his mind and, at the ending of the episode, was changed to show Dell rejecting the offer. Sullivan had a tendency to write scripts that were too long, meaning a lot of good material had to be cut. Shortly before filming one of the six series began, he and Jason requested that the show's time slot be extended, and it was agreed to extend its running time to 50 minutes. This required a 30% increase in the show's budget, and coincided with the show becoming one of the BBC's most popular programs. Robin Stubbs became the costume designer for the 6th series, and was responsible for getting Del's attire to match with his new yuppie image. His new suits cost around £200 each, and were purchased from Austin Reed and Regent Street. The rest came from stores such as Tyrak and Dickens and Jones. His jewelry was replaced each series because it was very cheap. The rings with D engraved cost 50 pence each. The seventh series aired early in 1991. Jason and Sullivan were were involved with other projects and it was confirmed that there were no plans for a new series. Despite this, the show continued in Christmas specials until, until 1993. Sullivan nonetheless wanted a final episode to tie up the show. In late 1996, three more one-hour episodes were filmed to be broadcast over Christmas 1996. All three were well received and, due to the ending, were assumed to be the last. The show made a return in Christmas 2001 with the first of three new episodes which were shot together but ultimately broadcast over three consecutive Christmases from 2001 until 2003. Despite rumors of further episodes, in a 2008 interview, Sullivan was quoted as saying, there will not be another series of Only Fools and Horses. I can say that. We had our day. It was wonderful. But it is best to leave now. Though Sullivan died in 2001, it returned for a special sport relief episode in 2014. Only Fools and Horses? has separate theme songs for the opening and closing credits, Only Fools and Horses and Hookie Street, respectively. The original theme tune was produced by Ronnie Hazlehurst and recorded on 6 August 1981 at Limegrove Studios. Alf Bigeon, Paul Westwood, Don Hunt, John Dean, Judd Proctor, Eddie Mordew, and Rex Morris were hired to play the music. The tune was changed after the first series, and the new one was written by John Sullivan. He disliked the tune for the first series, and his new one explained the show's title, and Hazelhurst conducted it. It was recorded at Lime Grove on 11th, May 11, 1982, with musicians John Horler, Dave Richmond, Pigeon, and Proctor. Sullivan had attended Chaz and Dave to sing it because they had enjoyed success with the Rockney style a mixture of rock and roll and traditional cockney music. Sullivan was persuaded to do it himself by Ray Butt. Despite the creation of a new theme tune, the original one remained in occasional use. Chaz and Dave did later contribute to the show, performing the closest credits song for the 1989 episode, The Jolly Boys Outing. Both songs are performed by Sullivan himself and not, as is sometimes thought, by Nicholas Lindhurst. The opening credits see images of the three principal actors peel on and off the screen sequentially. These appear over a background of still photographs of everyday life in South London. The sequence was conceived by graphic designer Peter Clayton as a metaphor for the vagaries of the Trotters' lifestyle, whereby money was earned and quickly lost again. Clayton had also considered using five pound notes bearing Dell's face. The action was shot manually, frame by frame, and took around six weeks to complete. Clayton knew that it was important to have the characters established in the titles and prepared a storyboard depicting his ideas using drawings. He photographed various locations with a photographer, and the titles were shot using a rostrum camera and not edited. Brian Stevens, a professional animator, was hired to create the label's movement. Clayton returned to the show when the titles were changed for Christmas Crackers. He recut the entire sequence and added Christmas items another change was made necessary by Leonard Pierce's death and Buster Merrifield joining a cast, so the pictures of David Jason and Nicholas Lyndhurst were updated too. The sequence was shot on motor drive. The closing edit credits for the program varied series by series. The first series used peeling labels featuring the names of cast and crew mirroring the opening sequence, but these had to be updated with every new episode, making the process very time-consuming From the 2nd series, the credits switched to a standard rolling format. The 3rd series featured additional symbols. For the 4th series, these designs were replaced with white lettering on a black background. The 5th series had a black and white background, but the 6th series reverted to the black one. For the 7th series, the credits scrolled against the freeze frame of the final scene. Filming Locations The original Nelson Mandela House in the titles was Harlech Tower, Park Road East, Acton, London. From 1988 onwards, White Mead House, Duckmoor Road, Ashton, in Bristol was used. The tower block is located by Ashton Gate in the the home ground of Bristol City Football Club, with some scenes filmed in the stadium's car park. Episodes 64 episodes of Only Fools and Horses, all written by John Sullivan, were broadcast on BBC One from September 8th, 1981, until December 25th, 2003. The show was aired in 7 series, and thereafter in sporadic Christmas special editions. All earlier episodes had a running time of 30 minutes, but this was extended after series 6, and all subsequent episodes had a running time rating from 50 to 95 minutes. Several mini-episodes were produced. An 8-minute episode aired on December 27th, 1982 as part of a show hosted by Frank Moore, The Funny Side of Christmas, and attracted 7.2 million viewers. A 5-minute spoof BBC documentary was shown on Breakfast Time on December 24th, 1985, with Dell being investigated by a BBC consumer expert. An educational episode named "Licensed to Drill, in which Dell, Rodney and Grandad discuss oil drilling, was recorded in 1984, but only shown in schools. I said. A five-minute, 1990-1991 Persian Gulf War special, dated December 1st, 1990, has Dell, Rodney and Albert convey a message to British troops serving in the conflict. It has never been broadcast commercially but a copy exists at the imperial war museum in london a comic relief specials showing dell rodney and albert making an appeal for the nations was shown on making an appeal for the nations was shown on march 14 1997 with 10.6 million viewers a sport relief special was aired on march twenty-first, 2014 yeah. So that would be it. I mean, there is some more, but I think I'm gonna cut it here. Been recording for um, 30 minutes just now, so yeah. In the odd case anybody listens, thank you very much, and uh, hopefully, I'll catch you later.